Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 345, and today we'll be talking about NanoZim from Invader Zim. I'm GC13. And I'm David. Episode 345, we're right triangles now, boys. Yes. <laughs> I love finding whatever meaning we can possibly dig out of the episode numbers. So we're still talking about Invader Zim. Great retro series. I'm so happy to be talking about it, and I really love NanoZim because it made me remember about the weird little Flash games that Nick used to have, and the early Zim episodes had different little mini-games that they published, and I really distinctly remembered this game, and I had to look it up online, and it was called... Dibs, uh, now I don't even remember. Nano Dib, I think. Do they do they still have it? Is it still playable somewhere? It is archived, and of course you have to then find one of the Flash Archive, you know, emulator projects that will let you run the game. So I watched a YouTube video of it again, and it was like I was I was thinking, no way, was that really like a 3D Flash game? And it was. It's a rudimentary, you're going through the tube, you have dibs, nerves, and sinew things. That you have to avoid hitting or firing at, and you're you're shooting at Zim. And I don't remember ever having beaten it. And Gaz and Dib are the two difficulty levels. Yes, apparently you also go into Gaz in the game version. No, no, no. It's are you playing as Gaz or are you playing as Dib? Dib's much harder. Because he's not nearly as good at video games. Oh, they're both inside Dib's body. It's just who's playing, which is like the episode. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That's how I always interpreted it as. I don't see why they would make it so you're inside gas that makes no sense no that's that is absolutely the correct interpretation so it's crazy that they had a game that actually they bothered to make 3d and flash but also the cgi in this episode this is technically episode three. Oh my god <laughs> the inside of dib's body is mesmerizing i can't <laughs> believe how far they went out with you know Sure, the random horrifying models of nerve balls and the arm control nerve, you know, those those are fascinating on their own. But then, like, once we get to the brain, all throbbing and purple and strange, and they even have, I think, somewhat correct, like, Mylian sheaths on top of nerve endings poking out everywhere. And then, of course, you have mechs. Yes. Like, the whole thing is so over-engineered and... The production value is insane. <laughs> and we appreciate every dollar of it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if audiences then even realize. <laughs> yeah, I, I never I never knew how uh, how expensive all of it was. I just knew that I loved this episode so much. I I will say this that NanoZim has always for me been the voice of that part of me that whenever I see a streamer playing a game, I feel like, well, I can do this better than them. And I want to get the game where Gaz is like, come on, Dip, you're doing it wrong. I can beat him. And that's why I own a game now where you can build your own airships and fight them against other airships now. I do love the early gamer. Well, I say early, you know. What is early? To me, 2003 or whatever feels earlier, 2002, but it's a, it's a different era. But this, this specific early 2000s era of gaming and gas is definitely on the scene. She's aware of like, oh, is that an online game? 
which, you know, only cool kids would have had access to PCs that were online, connected to the internet, and they're, you know, actually having some game that worked that way. Well, online games for PC play were always far more common. Now, for a console to have online connectivity in this time would have indeed been very unusual. Right, you could have had a Dreamcast or something. But yeah, I mean, Dip's playing on his laptop, so PC game, but also most kids probably wouldn't have had access to, like, all those things in general. I mean, I think the idea is that the world of Invader Zim has different technology from us, so there it would be normal to just have, oh, yeah, this is an online game. Kind of like you can watch G.I. Joe, and someone's using a video camera that is quite clearly got a cassette tape inside it, and yet that video is being watched in real time by somebody thousands of miles away because cartoon. Well, they also have a super scientist dad, so that kind of lets you have access to things like you know, they're not actually playing a game. It's a it's a little mini fighting it's robot. It's his life, ship. right? Somehow, you know, Professor Membrane has just made inexplicably an entire you know UI that acts just like a video game with even a score record <laughs> and the machine that can probe inside people. Well, remember, this is the guy who literally controls power for the entire planet, so he does what he wants. I I. Professor Membrane, just even in this little moment, the, just the little bit they give him, you know, setting him up as unimaginably intelligent and powerful and keeping things together on this godforsaken Earth. <laughs> and then also his son blathering nonsense that he just says, okay, too. <laughs> like, poor Dib is explaining that he has an alien in his body, and at least Professor Membrane doesn't say no. There's a level of ignorance here on a level of beach city citizens. You gotta wonder, like, I'm I'm assuming that if they were to have an episode where the Armada was approaching Earth such that Professor Membrane could detect it, he would refuse to acknowledge it as aliens. But, like, if somehow you did convince him that it was an invading Armada of aliens, like, I don't think the Armada would, like, they wouldn't even know what hit them. They'd just disappear. I mean, I don't want to give massive spoilers for the Enter the Florpus movie, but we have seen how Professor Membrane reacts. No, he refused to acknowledge that it was aliens. Well, no, he refuses to accept reality. You know, he's being taken to a prison and all the things he's seen, he's just like, well, I'm crazy now. (laughs) So he doesn't, he's not, I mean, he can suspend his disbelief to like work within a situation, but he also thinks he's been you know knocked on the head or whatever yep i also like this episode like thematic or narratively that you know this is one of the early setups there's going to be you know many more episodes to follow of zim versus dib with either one being able to win or lose by the end but zim is not really an idiot here he's kind of competent the whole time except for the fact that he has access to nanotechnology he could just yeah you know, kill Dib or erase his brain remotely. Like, he has no need to enter it himself. He could just hit the membrane household with a nuke from his home base. He could have erased Dib's entire brain without calling him up on the phone to tell him he was going to erase his brain. (laughs) Exactly. you know, things like that. The hubris and the small-mindedness. So yeah, he is an idiot here. But he, he really can pilot the ship. I like how he's like, I've been piloting ships since before you were born. 
The whole point with that joke is they make it clear Zim is a mediocre pilot. It's just Dib is even worse. But he does get around. And I mean, he bumps stuff, but also he doesn't need to worry that much about it because it's Dib's body. It's like running over a civilian in Grand Theft Auto. It's half the fun. <laughs> exactly. That that said, when I play Saints Row, I usually attempt to avoid that. So I guess I'm just bad at fun. <laughs> huh. You can't help but be a good person, even in games. Even when I'm playing a sociopath. But, I mean, you want to talk small-minded, though. Dib, when Gaz is like, hey, can I play? Like, any sensible person's gonna be like, yes, gaming prodigy, please beat Zim for me. But Dib's like, no, no, I'm gonna do this. It's me, my trachea, not yours. Right, Dib refuses to recognize when his sister can be useful to him. I mean, he, he knows that she's better than him. Oh, right, but he, he's all about, it's his thing. It's his own hubris. I can, I can beat Zim. It's, it's not like he's gonna kick my butt because I have no idea how to control this thing or anything. Well, it's not even hubris. He's just so occupied with, like, the Zim thing is his thing. It's a possessiveness and an, uh, obviously an obsession. Yeah, I mean, we'll see in Bloody's Pizza Hog how little she cares for that. I like, though, that Gaz is, this is, you know, the big Gaz exposure we get for the start of the series. And it's not really how Vasquez had initially pitched Gaz. You know, reading through the Zim art book recently, I read Gaz's, you know, pilot pitch, which was, oh, Dib kind of uses her on experiments a lot. And so she's like willing to get back at him anytime. And no, Gaz is not that. I mean, it does happen in the series. We have yeah. the taster of pork. Now she's just a bad person. But but no, yeah, she's just... Pig mouth. She doesn't care about him at all. She's hyper-focused on gaming. And I love that that's her whole personality. Just like being generally pissed off and being a gamer. It's great. Okay, now I, I know a lot of people want the glitch text Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover to happen, but I just realized that we need now more than ever is an Invader Zim glitch text crossover where Gaz joins the glitch text. You know, some things are truly oil and water, and Zim is almost oil and water for any crossover. Like, it just does not belong in anything. I cannot imagine the the happiness and positivity in glitch text being able to interact with Zim at all. <laughs> it just doesn't, I can't even in the best pot, you know, oh, uh, Tarantino couldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Name the great directors. They can't do it. You would need to have like a totally different art style. Whenever Gaz was on the screen. I, I Gaz doesn't fit in that world at all. Like, God. No, I I can't see any I'm of it. I'm sure they could figure something out. It would be hilarious. Yeah, Zim, hubris, dib, hubris. I could just, you know, shut my mouth about the backup, but I'm like, ha, Zim, you haven't won. I still have this. And it's like, okay, well, for one, why didn't you email it to him? Did they not have email back in 2003? I'm pretty sure they had email back in 2003, so. Or 2001, I'm sorry. Yeah, I again, it's <laughs> they're not they're not always well thought out plans. But also, I don't know how hot email was. I mean, 
I think it was pretty hot by the time 2003 was coming around. The the, the mail was pretty hot, yes. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, a, you know, America's Funniest Home Videos, I think people were still sending in tapes, even around 2003, because you weren't really uploading videos, so... Even though Dib had access to technology. But that was clearly a digital format that Dib had. I mean, tapes are digital. <laughs> the tapes that people mailed in were magnetic strips of binary data. Well, I mean digital as in he had that on a computer and wrote it from his computer onto that thing. It's like a macro SD card or something. Because nothing nothing in the world of Invader Zim can be small and accessible. No. Mysterious Mysteries is never going to be on the cutting edge of science either, so. <laughs> hey, 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 once they, once they start getting those crazy ratings, crazy brings good ratings. Mm-hmm. Ratings bring good tech, baby. Speaking of tech also, this is, uh, we see Zim working on his pack at the start of this episode. That's your little, yes. your little lore hint, you know, they really hold it out with like, when Zim needs to oh, go they up. Don't, they don't hint at anything. They don't hint anything with that. It means nothing if you don't understand what the pack is. Well, I it's a very much, uh, they hold on it a long time. So you're forced to think about what is the pack? Why was he working on it? And now it gets attached to his back, you know? Maybe right now, you have no idea it's his life support right now or core to his being, but it's the start of something interesting. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I I never realized just how uncomfortable it was watching Gur with that suck monkey where you're trying to <laughs> trying to but there's nothing nothing is coming out. You're just trying to to tr- drink more of your drink and you can't get uh, it's disturbing. <laughs> the sound is horrible, the dripping poop in his mouth is horrible, and <laughs> the way he practically inhales the cup is beautiful. The little Gur moment is is great, but I like that Dib is always a witness to the complete, like, how could he take Zim seriously when he sees these interactions happening <laughs> in this household? Like, yeah, it's, uh, like you said, he's hyper-focused on Zim, like, to the same extent that Gaz is hyper-focused on gaming, except, you know, Gaz is good at gaming, and <laughs> Dib is bad at Zimming. I mean, he- Maybe if there were achievements you could unlock. I want to give Dib credit, but he's dealing with such an idiot. So, like, the fact that he can break into Zim's house is not particularly impressive when Gur leaves the door wide open. And the and the window. <laughs> I do wonder, though, what Zim would do if Dib just left him completely alone. Like, would would he end up doing anything, or would Dib just find something else to do with his spare time, chase that Sasquatch baby around or something? Well, again, we already know what happens to Dib without Zim. Because that already happened in the comics, as well as Enter the Florpus. With Enter the Florpus, that's that stills him obsessing over Zim, not him finding something else to do. Like, what if Dib just made the decision, I'm gonna leave Zim alone, Zim's never gonna do anything. Could Zim do something if Dib was not annoying him? I mean, Zim can do things, but he'll also blow up his own planet as long as he has levers and buttons to push, so... I, I, but Zim does stuff unprovoked. Unlike Dib, he does do, he just does things. And he makes plans unrelated to Dib all the time. Yeah, I guess he does accidentally destroy the city when trying to keep his house clean for the tallest. (laughs) Right, like, he'll do things just for the tallest in relationship to them, not thinking about Dib at all. I will, however, note that Dib was absolutely powerless to 
prevent Zim from accidentally destroying the city. <laughs> yeah, he's lucky he has he has Gaz for the moments that it's important. Yeah. But not that Gaz is in it in any way for the heart. I love that they ended the sequence with her, like, zapping a random nerve and par- permanently marking her initials into Dib somehow. Well, no, she she destroyed the stinger that Zim used to disable Dib's arms. Oh, okay. I didn't realize she was chopping a piece out. So, like, that, that control for the ship was not only keeping score, but it also recognized that this was an objective before she had finished the <laughs> finished the level. Right, again, Professor Membrane has too much time on his hands, but we should know that as a man whose mortal enemy is Santa Claus. It's just, he, he can he can spend time doing things like this. Okay, okay, I know, I know we'll get to this more on the Christmas episode, but I just want to say, with as awesome as Professor Membrane is, and we know that Santa Claus comes back every year, you think that they would have taken care of the problem. Maybe the Armada would be fine, now that I think about it. Maybe, maybe, maybe Professor Membrane's not all that. I'm just saying. He literally is all that. He is the most super scientist of any super scientist in any show I've ever watched. And yet he can't kill one rogue Santa suit. I'm just saying. He doesn't try to kill Santa every year. He should. They they live in a bubble to protect them from Santa. Oh, you're saying the the inevitable future. I mean, okay. Also, Zim drowns the entire planet. Like, you know, I guess Membrane isn't on top of protecting the Earth all the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still gonna activate XCOM, even if Professor Membrane assures me that he has everything under control. Anyway, guys, that's been us on Nano Zen. Yeah. I forgot how I end these episodes. Until then? Yeah. Uh, any guys, thanks for... <laughs> Zim just deleted the part of GC's brain that remembers how to <laughs> end an episode. Later, everybody! If it's still in your brain, remember to review us on iTunes. Or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. 